And so, you know, looking at Nehemiah and, and the things that he had to face, he went out that night and looked at all the devastation and had this, you know, weight on his heart that God had called him to rebuild. And yet it looked completely impossible because all of these enemies, the Moabites, the Assyrians, all the various you know, um, different armies that came against Israel had come in and, and conquered, uh, slaughtered, uh, taken away as captives. God's people had, had just left the place desolate. And as I say, those, uh, those spirits that were operating through those enemies, they are not dead, they are still alive and are still attacking people today and the church and our world. And you see, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, God says. And so you have the vast majority of the world, uh, governmental leaders, um, you know, leaders in, in communities, even in families, you know, and, and they have no idea what's taking place, but they're in a spiritual war. And that's why we have to be very careful, because when we're engaging in what they're engaging in, you are going to get worn down and broken down, you know? And uh, we're going to look just a little bit at Nehemiah today and, and at various um, enemies of Israel. So, but first I want to start with Psalm 27 and um, just to read the first line of it, uh, first two lines of it. In Psalm 27, so Father, we're your children, we're here today Lord, we're your sons and your daughters and Father, you have called us to be mature, you've called us to you know, throw away the milk and start chewing on the meat of the word. And I pray that you would speak today through, through me, Holy Spirit, and that you would uh, give us your strategy and your wisdom in the name of Jesus. And that most of all, Lord, that we would stop looking at, at the, the circumstances and what's going on, and instead that we would look to you, because it's from you that our answers come, Lord. You are the one who gives us our breath. You're the one who gives us our provision. You're the one who protects us and preserves us preserve us and so God we just look to you today in Jesus name and here it says the Lord is my light and my salvation so why should I be afraid the Lord is my fortress the stronghold of my life protecting me from danger so why should I tremble? Imagine if you just think about just that line alone. The Lord is my fortress, the stronghold of my life, protecting me from danger. Do you know that most of the anxiety and stress and tension and oppression that people are dealing with in the world is rooted in fear? It's spirits of fear. You know, demonic spirits of fear. And they are the same spirits, the same demonic spirits that were operating against God's people in the old covenant. They have not gone away. The bodies that they once dwelt in may be dead, 
you know, those kings of old, those armies of old may be dead, but those spirits, they can't die because they're, they're, they're eternal spirits and they have not yet been, been uh, sent to hell by God. And so they are, you know, now operating in this world and all of the evil and the wickedness, all of the oppression, all of the fear and the terror and the tension that's being uh, released against mankind is coming from these demon spirits. And uh, it's so important that we understand spiritual warfare because it's why people are being picked off left, right and center because they have not prioritized their walk with God and they are not, uh, you know, in tune with his word and don't understand. And you have many people that are in and out of churches every week and possibly sometimes every day. And, you know, they genuinely love God and have sincere hearts for God, but they are without knowledge because if they don't know the word of God you know all they're doing is is a kind of a religious religious ritual over and over again and that ritual gets you nowhere and you know I remind you again that uh, that guy John Ramirez that was on Sidrath years ago and one line that he said stuck out of me so much he he was a satanist he was a, you know, a very high-ranking uh, Satanist, had been reared in it since childhood and brought up in, in that cult uh, of Satanism and, and the occult. And uh, when he was like 18, 19 years old, I think, he met this girl and she, he kind of liked her and he had no kind of, had, had no um, interest in anything like that before. And, and he started to pal around with her and she invited him to church. And he said, well, I need to check first before he answered her. And he said he went home and he did his rituals and he asked Satan, his boss and his God, can I go to church with her? And he said that Satan told him, you can go because the Christians are weak. They know nothing and you won't be affected there. Imagine that. Uh, you know, and you've got movies that have been made with, you know, priests with crucifixes and you have churches all over the place. You have people who are going around. I'll tell you, you need to be careful going around, praying, trying to pull down strongholds over cities and all that. You better know what you're doing before you enter into yeah. that. And there's been many Christians that have got involved in stuff like that. And it's witchcraft. You need to be careful because you need to know what you're doing. And, and you know, the, 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 because the thing is, is that in the word of God, the Lord is the one who deals with our enemies. And we need to know the tactics and ways that the enemy operates. And um, praise God in, in, you know, here, if you look at it, the Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. Uh, so why should I tremble when evil people come to devour me when my enemies come to eat up my flesh another version says you know and that's exactly what the enemy does always if you look back through the word of God they came to divide to conquer to slaughter to rape to pillage to 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 murder you know and to harm people and it's that same spirit that's operating today and we need to know how to pray and cover our families and cover our you know uh, all of those in our circle and we need to to be able to to operate in the governmental authority we read this last week wasn't it in Isaiah chapter 8 and 9 where the Lord said don't be calling everything uh, you know getting involved in everything that they're getting involved in uh, don't be afraid of what they're fearing and instead he you know released that that prophetic
prophetic word, for unto us a child is given, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. So we have and carry governmental authority. You look at Elijah, and, and the word of God tells us in Malachi that in the last days, the spirit of Elijah, you know, he talks about, in, in Malachi, he talks about two Elijahs. And, and the first one was John the Baptist, and Jesus, Jesus acknowledged that when, when the disciples asked him, well, who is John the Baptist? And he said, you know, he is the, the Elijah that was promised. And then at the end of Malachi, it talks about the spirit of Elijah coming again. Uh, and that spirit of Elijah is the spirit of governmental authority that's on the church to be able to prophesy, to decree, to establish God's word, and to, to see his will and his plans come to pass. James quoted it. He said, Elijah was a man just like us. And when he prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, you know, the, the, the flood came and the drought was over. And so we have to understand and realize that we have authority in Christ and in the name of Jesus. And so that we are not to fear when the enemy comes. We are to instead know and understand his strategies and the way he works. And how the Lord has provided that is by, in the old covenant, the, the way that Israel's enemies came against them, it's the same tactics the enemy uses today. And very often they came, they surrounded, they swarmed, they, they cursed, they buffeted, they, they, you know, they, they, we've read about it in the last few weeks there, the Assyrians, that Sennacherib, you know, he came and he said, what God will save you from my hand? You know, and right now, today, if you look, a lot of what we're seeing uh, coming off the media and off social media, coming against churches against pastors is, is where they're saying who do you think you are who you know you're weak you're feeble uh, how dare you try and tell us how to live how dare you try and do this or that and and the thing about it is it's the same spirit uh, you know it's 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 an idolatrous uh, rebellious uh, spirit that that operates through fear and oppression and so you need to watch this because very often, uh, you know, you'll feel times of exhaustion or fatigue or oppression and, and you'll say, oh, you know, I must have just done too much. Or, but most oftentimes, I'll tell you, it's a demon that's trying to, that's trying to exert itself and exalt itself over your life, trying to bring in oppression. And you need to renounce it and break it off and say, I will not, I refuse to, to allow that access to my life and, and pray and seek the Lord and ask him. Oftentimes you'll find when there's a spirit of Jezebel operating in a family or in a workplace or, or in, you know, wherever that, that there's, there's fatigue and exhaustion or weakness felt by others surrounding it. And anytime that weakness or fatigue is there, you need to watch and look for witchcraft and the spirit of, of Jezebel. And, you know, you, 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 the way that Elijah dealt with that, you, you renounce it and you, you start worshipping the Lord and refuse to come into agreement under that Jezebel. You know, and that's why we have to speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. Anyway, I'm getting uh, sidetracked here. That was Psalm 27. Um, just to, to tell you some of the explanations there. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? Why, and the, the translation there is from the Hebrew. Why should I be made to shake or cause to dread or be in awe of? And you see, that's one way that the enemy operates is, is to cause people to dread 
Oh, I dread tomorrow. I dread that wedding. I dread uh, going to see the doctor. I dread uh, having to, you know, go to the dentist to get my teeth done. I dread meeting that one because she always upsets me or, or whatever, you know. And, and so that's, this is what he's saying here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And uh, that word light, you know, it means liberty. Um, praise God. It means illumination. Uh, it, it means my happiness, my, my daylight, my dawn and my morning light. Sorry, and this, the word salvation there is Yesha, which is the, the root word for Yeshua. And would you believe that the Lord is my light and my salvation? Salvation means liberty. Imagine, that's why Jesus said, I came to bring liberty to the captives. Uh, so salvation means liberty, deliverance, prosperity, safety saving, welfare, and victory. Praise God. That's what salvation means. Liberty, victory, welfare. All of these things that, as you said, uh, Martine, earlier, that people are worried about. People are so worried about being able to pay the bills, the mortgages, the rates are going up, uh, you know, the ESB bills, all these things. We're in the summer now, but people are dreading the winter. They're dreading it. You know, they're dreading the cost of food. They're being told. And, and you have this being preached in many pulpits as well. There'll be no food. There'll be no, you'll have no money. You'll have no nothing. Listen. Um, and and uh, I love that Johan is wearing that T-shirt today. Noah was called a conspiracy theorist. And then it rained. <laughs> Isn't that what it says? Show them your T-shirt. Stand up and they see it. Noah <laughs> was called a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Then it rained. <laughs> but you know, the thing is... <laughs> are they? ...lead to be lifted on all of these things that, is going, that are going on, you know? Um, for the lid to be lifted. And, and for, you know, that's what I've been praying for for so long. For whistleblowers to come yeah. forward. For whistleblowers to come forward. Men and women of courage who will stand up and who will know, you know, that God is with them and, and for them. And that, and that the Lord will send angels to protect them and their families. And to, to lift the lid on all of this corruption and, and uh, evil, wickedness that it looks like the enemy is getting away with. But he isn't. And, um, you know, we read this, I'm sure, last week. But in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4. It says, you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And you know, that Midianite spirit is a spirit that comes to rob and thieve and steal from God's people. That's what the Midianites used to do uh, to Israel. If you go back to Judges chapter 6 and 7 and 8 there with uh, Gideon was, was uh, called forward as a, a commander in God's army and he certainly didn't want to do that but the Lord called him to it and equipped him for it and in the same way God is calling the church today to arise and shine and he's equipping us with his word and by the power of his Holy Spirit to know how to deal with these unclean spirits, demon spirits that have tormented people, families, even nations with all kinds of wickedness, with all kinds of fear and terror and oppression. And so when God's people uh, who are called into his army will, will stand up and will, uh, uh, you know, fall into the role that we've been called into, you will see many of these altars of evil crumbling. 
you will start to see, and you're seeing it now, even in America, in the States, many of the states have overturned the abortion, uh, you know, there. And, and the, the people who are pro-abortion are not happy about it. And what are they doing? They're cursing the, them. They're calling them far-right fundamentalists and all this thing. You know, they're, they're trying to, to uh, flood the airwaves and flood social media uh, to make it look like everybody's uh, not for that when in actual fact you know and and this is the thing is that you always and and politicians have forgotten it you need to keep your ear to the ground to hear what the regular man and woman is feeling and instead what they've been doing is they've had uh, you know years and years of subtly grooming uh, the population with oppression and with dictating to them this is how you're supposed to think this is how you're supposed to act you know I was there was a pride march there in Dublin over the weekend I think it might have been yesterday and you know I just I, I, I just laughed really in one sense because I felt so sorry you know the, the guards actually marched with them yesterday would you believe and then uh, this is this is just how the enemy operates now he, he, he fools people and deceives them into sort of coming into alignment with him and then he cuts the legs from under them and tears them down and when they got to the point where they took the microphones and started the speeches this one I don't know was it a man or a woman but she sounded like a, a woman went up and started slating uh, you know the guards and, and, and talking about all kinds of you know a, a kind of a garbled kind of a speech and, and against this and against that and against this and slated the guards and I just said to myself what a mistake they made you know they, they, they succumbed to the pressure I think you know they've they, you know, been adopting this pride thing and all that and, and, and they went and they marched with them and, and this is why we have to be careful that we, we come you know don't get into agreement with the enemy don't come in under the the the, the uh you know the the, the covering that is, that the enemy is trying to get people in under the one umbrella be very careful of it you know make sure you take a stand but here he said you will break the oppressor's rod in isaiah chapter 9 just as you did when you destroyed the army of midian it was god who destroyed the army of midian gideon and them they didn't even have to fight all they did was follow god's uh, directions. They they surrounded the place at night. They all had a, um, a light in a clay jar, and they all had a shofar. Um, and they blew the shofars. They all shouted at once, and then they cracked open the jars, and the light, uh, you know, made it look like that that the Midianites were completely surrounded. So the Midianites got into total confusion and started killing each other. And that's what we're going to start seeing as well. You watch and see all these ones who are into the woke and the globalist agenda and the left and whatever you know they're all going to start tearing each other down because the enemy is is you know that's his character in nature is strife and and anger and offense and that's why we've to be careful not to get sucked into it you know if someone don't get involved in the offense and in the strife stay away from it and keep out of it because otherwise you'll you'll come into that vortex as well and you won't get out of it it will suck you down until you're gone you know, and uh, so that's Isaiah 9. And then in Nahum, the, ch- the prophet Nahum, it's over near Micah and uh, just after Micah, I think, and before Habakkuk. In Nahum, 
Look, you have to read these yourselves. These are only just one scripture. You need to read it yourself to, to get the context of it. Um, I'll just read a few of them. In verse 7, it says, The Lord is good. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. Don't you love that? You know, when you trust the Lord, he's close to you. God is close to you. But he will sweep away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. He will pursue his foes into the darkness of night, into the realm of night. You, you know, you can leave your enemies to the Lord because he will pursue them. You keep right with God. You keep your heart right with the Lord. You keep, you know, uh, decreeing his word, proclaiming his word. Uh, you know, he said you will decree a thing and it shall be established. And, and God is the one who deals with the enemies. Um, it says, why are you scheming against the Lord in verse 9? He will destroy you with one blow. He won't need to strike twice. His enemies tangled like thorn bushes. I've been reading a lot lately about the thorn bushes. You know, in, in uh, Judges chapter 9, just after Gideon actually, when, when Gideon died, um, it said he had like 70 sons. And uh, that one of them anyway, who, who wasn't really his son, I think, or something, uh, rose up and killed the other 70 and decided to take... Uh, sorry, he, he left one, one. One managed to escape. And he took on the kingship of, uh, as a judge over Israel in place of his father. Uh, he might have been his stepfather or something. I don't know. There's some, I'll have to go back and read it again. And, uh, but the son who didn't get killed with the, with the other 70 came and made a proclamation against this guy who took on the crown as the king, as the, the leader of Israel. And he, he spoke this, uh, this uh, story about... Um, a cedar tree and a fig tree and an olive tree. And it said like that they needed some tree to be the, the sort of the, the king tree, you know, who would rule over all the other trees. And they asked the cedar and he said, I don't have time to, to be waving over the other trees because I am busy, you know, being strong and producing fruit. They asked the fig tree, uh, who was very fruitful. And, and this is you know, something you need to study in, in Judges 9 and watch for, for the people who come into leadership. And uh, he, they asked the, fruit, the fig tree and the fig tree said, no, because I'm too busy producing my fruit. And then they asked the olive tree and the olive tree said, no, I don't want to be leader over the trees uh, because I'm too busy producing fruit. And then the bramble bush you know, the bramble bush, the thing that cuts all your arms when you're trying to mow the lawn <laughs> or whatever. Uh, the bramble bush came out and said, well, I'll be the leader. And, uh, you, you know, and, and so you've got this, this picture by God that the place and the, the, the thing that's cursed is always the thing that will try and lord it over when the other fruitful and, and uh, you know, anointed uh, trees didn't want to stand at their watchtower and watch over all the trees. And this is what we have to be careful of because we're called as watchmen and women. We're called to stand just like Nehemiah had. Uh, when, he, when he was rebuilding that wall, he had the people who were building, then he had watchmen behind them, and he had the watchmen behind them with a weapon 
watching over them and watching this place. He had the people who were drawing the, the, the materials to the ones who were rebuilding. They drew, they drew the stuff with one hand and in the other hand they had a weapon. He had people on the top of the broken down walls who were standing as watchmen watching for enemies coming left, right and centre. And so, you know, this is so important that because if the church isn't watching and if we as, as spirit-filled believers aren't, uh, you know, paying attention to what's going on in the world, what you have is these bramble bush leaders who are standing up and saying, look, I'll be the leader. And, and then what's, what's happening is there's a cause and effect of utter turmoil and destruction. And I'll tell you, there are many people who are called into politics who are called into leadership in their workplaces and in institutions and in, in the mountains, you know, the cultural mountains of media, of, of education, and they're not doing it. They're not responding to the call. And God has put something inside of you. And I believe, actually, it's because many people need to be rebaptized. Not, not just baptized with the Spirit of God, but actually physically rebaptized. And I would encourage any of you who have not been baptized or who maybe were baptized years ago, who are looking for, for a fresh fire and looking for fresh breakthrough, you know, from God and for him to, to reveal his plan and purpose that, you know, come to me and, and we'll organize it, you know, to, to have a baptism again. Because I think that it's one of the things that, that, that sets people off on the road that the Lord has for them. Are you falling asleep yet? No. <laughs> Good. Anyway, let's get back to this. So that's Nahum 1.10. His enemies tangled like thorn bushes, were staggering like drunks, and they'll be burned up like dry stubble in a field. That's what happens to a thorn bush. It will burn instantly. And it will, you know, it, it, you won't have to wait for it. Um, and just in verse 13... He says, now I will break the yoke of bondage from your neck and tear off the chains of the Assyrian oppression. Tear off your shackles from your Assyrian oppressors. Again, you know, that, that spirit, that Assyrian spirit, uh, Sennacherib was one of them, you know, where they would come and taunt God's people. And the word Assyria, the thing that the Assyrians were known for, they were warring cruel um, oppressors. They were uh, powerful. They were into mass slaughter. And, uh, you know, if you look at left, right and center, people have put their head below the parapet, as they call it. People don't want to put their head... There are many people who are not in agreement uh, with any of the transgender ideology, with abortion, anything like that. But they don't want to say it because if they do, they're making themselves a target for people to say nasty things about them or, or you know, to talk about them or to, or to try and wound them or hurt them in some way. And, and this is a spirit of fear. That's how the enemy operates, as an oppressor. And you'll be able to see this. I don't know whether this is making sense to you, but even in, in people that you're dealing with or people that you're working with, you know, you've got to, to stop and look at it from a different perspective. Because even many of the people who have been enemies against you, it's actually the enemy that's using them and that's, that's causing them such torment that they're, you know, acting out and manifesting, uh, you know, in such a way that's affecting you. But anyway, the Assyrians, they were into torture. Uh, they were very superstitious. Uh, they were into bullying and intimidation. 
And also, they were very puffed up in their own intellect. They, they, they felt that their wisdom and intellect was something to be really honoured. Um, they were, you know, they would reason with each other, very much like that spirit that was behind uh, the, the Greek, um, you know, uh, philosophers and all that, where they would sit and reason uh, over and over about all empty stuff, like, you know, but, but it, it was like just being puffing themselves up. And... Uh, Praise God. They would use, uh, they would torment their, their prey by using negative words uh, sent to paralyze them. And so any kind of paralysis, you need to look and bind that, that Assyrian spirit, that, that demon spirit of intimidation and bullying that's trying to, to cause any kind of paralysis, to incapacitate you. Um, they would berate you constantly, make you feel ineffective and promote fear, causing worry and hopelessness to weigh down a, he a mind with heaviness, to overwhelm and crush their, their prey. That feeling of being weighed down mentally and physically by suggestions by the enemy. And remember, this is how the enemy operates. He has no power, only the power of suggestion. And when that suggestion comes to somebody, if they don't know how to battle with spiritual warfare, they have no protection. And so that's why people are taking those thoughts. And it's what Jesus told people. He said, take no thought saying. Because when you take a thought, what happens is it doesn't just go into your mind. But if you mull in it and meditate it, it goes into your heart. And then you know what the word of God says is that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, you know, this is where people are caught in a trap of, of having to succumb to their enemies. So, um, praise God. The Midianite spirit, that's just two, look, that's all we can deal with really today, I think. Just those two. The Midianite spirit is the spirit of strife, of robbery. Um, uh, again, a bullying type thing. Where, where, where it robs people's destiny, where it robs their harvest, where it robs their finances. That's a Midianite spirit. And you need to go back to the book of Judges to have a look at that. Uh, where, where Gideon, you know, um, that's when Gideon was called forth. And the Assyrian spirit, it's this cruel slaughter, torture, suggestion. Um, just as Sennacherib said to the people, how do you even think that any God could save you from my hands? Give yourselves up now and surrender and make it easier on yourself. You know, he, those, those, that Assyrian spirit, it paralyzed the people with terror and fear. And so, um, praise God. In, uh, there was one more scripture. In Nehemiah chapter four, I think it is. I find that uh, the, this kind of stuff is something that I feel a fierce resistance in the spirit of. And uh, I know that uh, it, it, it overwhelms people at times. And you really need to push past that too. Because that's just what the enemy wants. He, he, he wants people to sort of be in a place where, you know, they're uh, lightly dealing with the word of God in, you know, maybe like reading the Psalms, like reading the Gospel of John or something like that. And yet, you know, we need to understand the whole word of God. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. 
and um, it's there for a reason for to equip us um, and to equip God's people so that we won't fall and that we won't fail. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 4, this is where uh, you, there's only like 10 chapters or 8 chapters in Nehemiah, I think, but in the first couple of chapters it dealt with uh, you know, all of the different families. It's very interesting as well that when Nehemiah, as I said earlier, you know, the, the, the government officials would sit at the gate of the um, at the, the gate of, of where they would carry on the business and, and you know the, the official business of the city. And if anybody needed to buy some land or wanted to sell some land, they would come to these officials. And so when Nehemiah did that that trek around the city to look at the walls, he came back in and all of the officials were there wondering what he was doing. And so he said to them, he told them what he was going to do, that God had told him to rebuild these walls. And you know what? They all got involved. And this is something very important. If only the church could grasp this. And by the church, I mean all of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. No matter what the denomination, no matter what the background or the tribe or the color or or the nation or whatever. If the church could grab hold of this, a supernatural event could take place just like what happened with Nehemiah. When those walls were rebuilt in 52 days, it was an impossibility. But because of the fact that they were all willing to come together and work together and that they all carried out their jobs. You know, many people think that when God is calling them to something, it means that he wants them to go out on the side of a street and and start preaching on top of a soapbox. Not, you know, sure the Lord has called people to do that, but not necessarily, that's not necessarily what he's calling you to do. It could be in your workplace. It could be in your neighborhood to go and minister to somebody. You know, and just show them and demonstrate the love of God. It could be to be somebody who will stand and watch and pray the stuff that you're seeing or reading in the newspapers to actually pray for these people. You know, if more people would pray, maybe we'd see a faster shift and and breaking down of all the nonsense and and see good things coming forth. So... That's what Nehemiah, in, in, especially in chapter 3, it just goes through all of the different ones doing their different jobs and all of them being watchmen and, you know, many of them carrying weapons. And the weapons were for the protection of those who were doing the building. And I really encourage you to pray, you know, pray for, when you're coming to church as well, you know, pray for that, that the Lord would speak to us today and that he would use whoever it is who's ministering here. To, to minister the truth and that we would start to see, like, like Richard said, the fire of God Amen. coming down, the, the power of God, the demonstration of his kingdom. Amen. And so in chapter 4, you have Nehemiah's enemies rising up and, and, and uh, coming with this uh, you know, power of suggestion, of, of, of criticizing and, and um, being angry and mocking them. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan, uh, the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? 
And this is exactly how the enemy is speaking today. Who do you think you are? How do you even think this is going to work? He's speaking it off of, uh, you know, out of, out of uh, NGOs and all these different, uh, you know, institutions that have, have decided that they're, uh, you know, in control and that everybody needs to do what, what they're dictating. He, he's using it in, in people's own minds uh, you know who do you think you are? You didn't even you didn't even finish uh, primary school. You 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 failed your leaving cert. You never went to college. Uh, you don't even you know you didn't even come from the right side of the tracks. You know this is how the enemy does. He speaks uh, you know and mocks people. And very often and most often it stops people dead in their tracks and they just give up then and walk away. And uh, but uh, Nehemiah didn't. And uh, do they think they can build a wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, here, here was another, um, Sanballat was a Horite and uh, Tobiah was an Ammonite. These were, again, other people groups who had come against God's people down through the years as enemies. He was standing beside him and he remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. So, you know, again, mocking and, 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 and trying to ridicule God's people in order to make them stop. Because, the, the, you know, and this is something else, you know, that when somebody's anointed and is walking in the spirit of God, what you will see is all around them, even from family, even from, from nations, from governments or whatever, or from in workplaces, you'll see the demons start to manifest. People will get very angry and, and really nasty. And that is a sure sign that there's a demon operating in that situation. When they're, when they're condemning somebody. Um, then I prayed. This is Nehemiah speaking. Hear us. I love this. Hear us, our God. For we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. And may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Because that is what has ha- had happened to God's people. They had become a captive in a foreign land. Through no, you know, uh, they, their enemies had come in and taken them out. Now, the reason that had happened was because of their sin and their rebellion. But anyway, that's another story. And uh, do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. And it says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashtadites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. So what, what was the, the uh, first call by the, by the threat of the enemy? Was confusion. And that's in operation right now. I don't know about you, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> in left, right and center, there's confusion in the atmosphere, confusion in the nations. Confu- people are confused even in their thinking. That is why people think that a man can become a woman or a woman can become a man. They are totally confused. They're deceived and they're delusional. 
And the reason is, is because the enemy has been harassing and tormenting and, and bringing assignments and attacks against people. And he's been slowly and subtly, just as he always did, he operates as a serpent, cunning and, and, and cute, you know, where he, he maneuvers his way around. He wraps himself around people or institutions or, or governments and he squeezes and suffocates the life out of them so that the, the, the person or the body or the, the, the situation is left like a flaccid, dead thing. And then he can storm in and take over. The people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. So, you know, as they were getting tired, and, and fatigue is a real thing. You know, you need to take times of rest and refreshment. You need to take times away by yourself. That's why the Lord, he spoke to his disciples and he said, come away with me and rest a while. Uh, the only place in the word of God where, where the Lord tells us to strive is to strive to enter his rest in Hebrews chapter 3, 4 and 5 there. He says, strive to enter his rest. There is a necessity for you to take time away, to get a place where you can go to be alone with the Lord. It might be a cupboard in your house. That's why the Lord said, when you pray, go into your closet. You know, and, and it's something that we make a mistake of. We say, oh, look, the Bible's there. And, and, but, you know, there's, there's a specific thing that we need to do. Where, where maybe it's go out into the car. That might be the only place you get peace and quiet. Maybe it's go way off for a drive or, or go somewhere and park and bring your Bible with you and say, Lord, I, I just ask you now to speak to me that I'm here alone with you. Where you can have privacy and peace with the Lord. And what happens is, is when he speaks to you and when you start studying the word of God, a, a, a quietness and a calmness comes. Stability starts to, to come. Things start to get rebalanced and restored. And um, praise God, you know, that's how you are able to get up then and go out and, and, and face it again. And it's a daily thing that needs to be done. And so that's what happened with them here. They were getting tired and the enemy, you know, the Sanballat and Tobiah and all these ones, they were all there standing, shouting at them, mocking them, ridiculing them and the, and the guys trying to work. And uh, it was wearing them down. And... Uh, Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And the Jews then said, they will come and, uh, from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears and bows. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, take up your sword and your spear. Yeah, you need to take it up. You need to take it up. Take up the sword and the spear. You need to stand and guard and watch. And, and it's over your family. That's why I love that song, I Speak Jesus. You know, I speak Jesus over my family. Just release the power of the name of Jesus. Release the power of his ministering angels. Every day when you get up, Lord, I pray, Lord, for the blood of Jesus to cover my husband, my children, my wife, my family, my siblings. Lord, I pray for the blood of Jesus over their homes, their cars, their workplaces. I pray, Lord, in, in your business, in your workplace, Lord, I pray for the blood of Jesus to cover each one here. I pray, Lord, 
as we travel on the road that you would guard us and protect us, that you would send angels, Lord, to, to preserve them, that you would deliver uh, them from, from any kind of assignments, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, uh, you have to stand guard. You have to understand how to operate in spiritual warfare. And you see, the, the easiest thing to do is to go out and punch some fella in the face if you have something to deal with. But that's not the right thing to do. What you need to do is pray, bring it to the Lord, and ask him for the download and the, and the strategy. There may be a time where we have to go and give someone a belt. I don't know, but don't say that. I told you to do that. No, I just want to reiterate, I am not advocating violence of any description whatsoever. No, but I'm just saying, you know, that, uh, that sometimes people take things lying down. Um, and and it's, it's absolutely crazy. But anyway... Uh, how do I back out of that one now? Let's go Where are we? <laughs> so, um, in verse 21 of Nehemiah 4, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor my guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. Hallelujah. And actually, I just wanted to read that as well. I skipped it there. In verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and who fights for you. Sorry, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. And um, later on, I just can't remember where it is here now. Sorry, that uh, Sam Ballot and all of them wanted him to come down. Uh, oh, yeah, in, in chapter 6, Nehemiah 6, um, the, uh, the, this guy's all the enemies anyway, and they found out I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So Sam Ballot and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the place of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. You see, the Spirit of God will give you discernment and wisdom as well, and he will direct you and prevent any harm from coming to you. So I replied by sending this message. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. You see, again, going back to that Assyrian spirit of, of like constant harassment and torment, that's exactly what was happening there. And, and Nehemiah, you know, he had to take a stand and say, no, I am not coming down off the wall. And, you know, I love that. He says, I am engaged in a great work. Turn around to your neighbor and tell them, I am engaged in a great work. I'm engaged in a great work. I cannot come down to meet the enemy. Listen, don't lower yourself to the enemy. Don't lower yourself to come down to his standard. That's just what he wants you to do. He wants you to get involved in a fisticuffs. He wants you to get involved in a tit for tat. And a, you said this and she said that and he did this and they did that. Or get involved in, in some kind of strife and contention. Listen, it's a characteristic of the devil. 
Don't get involved with it. And stay doing what God has called you to do. And whatever that is, if you're a father of a family, you know, you're called to, and we have them there, uh, you know, if you want to copy them or whatever, some scriptures that you can pray over your family, over your children, over your wife. If you're the wife, you know, what you're called to do. If you're a mother, if you're a sister, if you're working in a business, God has called you to a great and mighty thing. And it may not look like anything to you. You might just think, well, you know, this is all, you know, whatever the career is that you have. That's that's all I am. Or maybe you're a homemaker. You know, that, sure, what, what could I be doing? Listen, God has called you and he's put you where you are for such a time as this. He has put everything inside of you. He wants to tool you and equip you that you can carry out his plan and his purposes and demonstrate the kingdom of God in your life, in your circle. And you are doing that. And don't let the enemy's taunts drag you down. Don't listen to him. Okay, turn around, point your finger against him. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to the enemy. He's trying to wear you down. He's trying to break you. He's trying to make you afraid and think things are never going to work out. Things are never going to change. I can't do it. You know, but the Lord says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So I just want to encourage you with that. I have to stop because we could go on. This could take hours. But anyway, you need to, you know, maybe this week have a look at at Isaiah, those first few chapters. Have a look at... at, uh, Nehemiah and also just one more thing I want to draw your attention to that I I feel I can't leave without saying in Isaiah chapter 3 I think it is and um, gosh find it now if you want to know as well maybe uh, insight into what is going on behind the scenes um, Isaiah chapter 1, 2 and 3 there but in 3 It's talking about their rebellion, the people's rebellion and all that. And he says, as a result of it, in verse 4, Isaiah 3, verse 4. Children will rule over them. I will make boys or the spiritually immature their leaders and toddlers their rulers. People will oppress each other. Man against man, neighbor against neighbor. And that oppress there, people will oppress each other in verse 5. That word translates to a taskmaster or a tyrant or, you know, one who drives on. And so where there's that tyrant spirit, again, that's that that Assyrian kind of, of demonic, it's a demon that's causing this. And isn't it interesting that it says children will rule them? You know, all this... <laughs> What we're seeing in the world right now, they're, 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 they're promoting that a two-year-old or a three-year-old should be able to say whether they want to be a boy or a girl and to have either their breasts removed or their penis cut off. Imagine that. that and and uh, the other day I shared it on Facebook of, of a young girl. I think she's like 19 now, is it, or something. And at, at 15 years, well, younger I think she was when she, she first started suggesting that Oh, so she was a tomboy. That was it. And, and somebody said to her, perhaps you're really a boy trapped in a girl's body. You know, again, it's the power of suggestion. It's that Assyrian spirit. It's a demon. And, you know, people are thinking that, oh, look, it's, it's you know, everybody to themselves, whatever they yeah. want themselves. That's, it's a demon. Yeah. And it needs to be exposed for that. And, and really, it's when the church starts praying and starts 
leveling off yes. into the level of yes. watchmen and yes. and uh, intercession mm. and and you know um, yeah. spiritual warfare that we've been called to because our battle is not against flesh and blood it's not against the people you know they are being held captive yes. Yes. and remember we read in Psalm 27 the Lord is my light and my salvation that word salvation means liberty what does liberty mean to you it means freedom freedom to move freedom to to enjoy yourself freedom you know but it's not freedom to be deluded and deceived and so you know children will lead you they will make boys and toddlers their rulers what we're seeing right now in terms of leadership in in government in nations even in institutions and even in families we're seeing men lie down and let the enemy run roughshod over them. We're seeing uh, people capitulate to what the enemy wants, uh, and, and where people are saying, oh, look, you can't say anything nasty. You can't say anything that's going to upset somebody or offend them. And yet, you know, they're offending God. And children cannot be leaders because they are spiritually immature and what we're seeing is the result of living under spiritually immature leadership which is involved in deep deception and corruption and and all kinds of wickedness and people are sitting down and taking it you need to stand up and say no in Jesus name and I would encourage any of you I know that many of us here our children are grown up and you know you can be thanking God and all that that they're out of the school system but you know we need to be praying for those ones that are, are that are in the school system because it is not an easy time to be a child it's not an easy time to be growing up it's not an easy time to be dealing with the crap that they're listening to it's not an easy time to be a teacher or a guard or any of these people because they are being being uh, manipulated and told to think and to a certain way and to do I'll, I'll tell you it's no wonder that there's a spirit of oppression in the air because people are under immense pressure mm -hmm. and so it's the church's uh, obligation to to rise up and pray amen, amen. here upon the mountain you've got peace of mind like you never know When you're down in the valley, don't lose faith, for you're never alone. For the God of the mountain is still not in the valley. When things go Life says best.